0: Here we go. You're listening to Wednesday's Law and Gospel Bible Study. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this November the 9th in the year of our Lord 2022. And what we're going to be doing is taking a look at Proverbs chapter 15, beginning with verse 10. This is Solomon's wonderful book, and by the Holy Spirit to help his sons and the nation in understanding God's ways to live. Now, I am convinced that the way you look at Proverbs is from a long gospel point of view. These are not just Proverbs for anybody. It's a distinction between those who are believers and those who are not believers. Each proverb often talks about that. And so verse 10 begins, there is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Now, how do we understand that? First of all, severe discipline would mean negative consequence for him who forsakes the way you can also say for him who leaves the path the book of proverbs often talks about the two paths the one jesus says is the narrow path that's his path then you had the broad path where people think they're saved by their works And this verse is really well understood. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. And how are you forsaking the path to Jesus? The next line tells you, whoever hates reproof will die. Now, reproof is correction. We can understand that with children that they have severe discipline in the family when they refuse to obey their parents, when they forsake the way, because they hate reproof. In other words, reproof is what Jesus talks about when he says that his message is one of repentance, and preaching the gospel. Reproof only occurs before the gospel. Why is that? Well, the gospel is really good news of salvation, but one does not need salvation until he recognizes that he's a great sinner. And that comes about by hearing correction by hearing reproof this is why there are people who refuse to go to church because they feel guilty the church has liturgy where it says we sin not just by deed but also by thought and by word that's often too much for a person to take in in other words The real problem with the Christian teaching for pastors is the fact that people hate to hear that they are not as good as they think they are. And that's why they hate reproof. They hate correction. And that is so clear in the world today, where so many people hate reproof from Christians to the point where they are persecuted, the Christians are, even to the point of death. Verse 11 says, Sheol and Abandon, A-B-A-D-D-O-N, lie open before the Lord, how much more the hearts of the children of man. Now, Sheol was the place for the dead in the Old Testament, It can often refer to hell. And abandon, that is the word for destruction. Those two places lie open before the Lord. In reality, they're just one place, hell itself. How much more the hearts of the children of men are open before the Lord. In other words, this is an important point As to what reproof is talking about in verse 10. God's reproof comes not just because we do a sin of thought, word, or deed, but because our heart is not pure. Now, that was said earlier in Proverbs that God looks for a pure heart. What does that mean? It means that doing the right thing is not sufficient. A lot of people can do outwardly the right thing in obeying the commandments, but they have a selfish reason in doing so. They look to make themselves look better and feel better. And their motivation is not love of Jesus Christ. God can read your heart and therefore he recognizes whether you have proper faith now where do you get that faith remember david said create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me that's what god does in conversion and a person comes to recognize that well I can do these good works because of my love of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of times, we don't recognize our motivation in either doing a sinful good work or a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're not aware of our motivation, but God is. Because faith, which means trust in the promises of God, results in a fruit of good works that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 12 continues. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Now, the word scoffer is really someone who is a mocker. He mocks God. And he does not want to be reproved. In other words, we're going back to verse 10. He hates reproof. He hates correction. And he will not go to the wise. We see that today in a lot of young people where they're tempted to follow a life of immorality and they will not listen to the wise in their church. This is why it's important that the wise in the church, which means the Christians, really get a relationship with one another in the church, and that the young people get to know that the adults not only love them, but are concerned about their salvation. A scoffer does not like to be reproved or corrected, and he will not go to the wise. Verse 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Now, how do you have a glad heart? Well, you have that heart that God gives you, creating me a clean heart, O God. And regardless of what you are experiencing in your life, you can still have a cheerful look on the future. You can be positive because you have the promises of God. And one promise, and we go over this a lot, is that all things will work together to your good. Now, at times, it doesn't appear like things are working to your good. You may be ill with an illness. You may have a loved one who died. You may be losing your job. You may not be able to afford your house. You are short on money in other areas. But you can still have a glad heart and make a cheerful face. Where do pastors see that most often? Believe it or not, they see it at funerals. How can you have a cheerful face at a funeral? Well, when you hear a sermon and the person who has died has been a believer, you have a cheerful recognition that that person is now experiencing a wonderful bliss in the spirit with jesus in heaven that's what makes a glad heart and a cheerful face but by sorrow of the heart the spirit can be crushed and what is that sorrow that sorrow occurs because you make plans and they aren't fulfilled in your mind and so therefore you wonder if god is asleep. You wonder if he's even hearing your prayers. But then you go back to the scripture and it's very clear that God hears the prayers of every believer and answers them to the good of the believer. Now that alone can create a cheerful face even in the midst of tragedy, sorrow, sickness, or whatever, because we remember Jesus. When he went the way of the cross, it says in Hebrews that he went with joy. How can you be on the way to the cross with joy? Because he recognized that the sacrifice he was about to make on the cross would save many people as he took their punishment upon himself. And all those who believe that promise are therefore saved verse 14 continues to talk about a glad heart the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge but the mouths of fools feed on folly now what's that talking about when you have a heart that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and you have a situation where you need to have proper advice, you will seek knowledge from the proper source because you have had an understanding that scripture does help in many problems. We pastors, when we go to a hospital We'll have a different prayer for each of the members who is a patient at the hospital, depending on why they're in the hospital. Obviously, you don't have the same prayer, and I've said this before, for a woman about to have a baby, and the same prayer for a man who's going into surgery for cancer. The two prayers are different. But the pastor has understanding that God's word is wonderful medicine, and therefore he seeks knowledge from God's word. But the mouths of fools feed on folly. The word feed there is actually a word used to refer to animals that are grazing. And when they graze on folly, they're grazing stupidly. That's an actual way of talking about folly, that you decide to do something that is really stupid from God's point of view. One of the best examples of that was during the time of Daniel, there was a ruler called Nebuchadnezzar. and because of his false teaching, wanting Daniel and his friends to worship an idol he set up, he came down with an illness called zoanthropy. Zoanthropy, what is that? It meant that he really lost his mind and he began to eat grass like an animal. And that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. The mouths of fools graze on stupidity. And that's what he was doing. And Nebuchadnezzar was awakened to the fact that the true God was the God of Daniel and his friends. Verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Now, do you have that image of your life as a Christian, that you have a continual feast? No. A lot of times we're afflicted with evil. Now, what the verse says is all the days of the oppressed are evil. And who are the oppressed? Those are unbelievers oppressed by the devil. And the devil puts thoughts in their mind. Boy, what if you lose the money that you have? They become very money conscious, and they're worried about losing money. And that becomes more important than trusting in the promises of God. But the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Now, we know many Christians who right now are enduring hunger, imprisonment, and persecution because they are Christian. How can they be in a continual feast? Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. And there's a very famous psalm psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd here's what verse 5 says you set before me a table in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows now that can refer obviously to the lord's supper because even in the midst of tragedy, we can continue to receive the supper of our Lord. It is a table that Jesus sets before us as we receive his body and blood, and our cup overflows. Now, that's referring not that we're going to be having a peaceful life. No, we can have tragedy, sorrow, and persecution. But because of the promises of God, we always have set before us a table, namely God's presence in the face of our enemies. Our head is anointed with oil, which is what happened when David became king, and we become new individuals. In the kingdom of God, our cup overflows. Verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Now that's making a distinction between the believer who may have only a little. He may not have the best house or the best job, or the best relationship with his family, but he does fear the Lord. He does recognize that the Lord is the one who gives him everything. And that, according to verse 16, is better to have a little with trust in the Lord than to have great treasure with the trouble that comes with it. Now, that word trouble can mean turmoil. And a lot of people are really concerned about whether they're going to keep their possessions, keep their money, keep their status in the eyes of others. And they may have a lot of treasure, but it brings turmoil into their life because they're always concerned and worried about it. Better they is a little, little bit of possessions. But when you have the fear of the Lord, the trust in the Lord, that is far better than great treasure and the trouble or turmoil that comes with it. 17, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Now, what are the two things that you shouldn't be talking about, they say, at a Thanksgiving meal when you have relatives coming over and enjoying the meal? They say, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics. In other words, they want to stay away from arguments. So better is a dinner of herbs. Now, that means vegetables. Better is a dinner where only able to eat vegetables if there is love around the table than a dinner with a fattened ox there and hatred that's around the table. In other words, we would want to have a good situation at our dinner table with friends and love between us. And even if it means we can only eat vegetables, then a fattened ox is better where love is than a meal with hatred. 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he is slow to anger, quiets contention. Now, what do we refer to as a hot-tempered man. We can call him a hothead. And when people do not have the patience, when they are unable to be slow in getting to anger, then a hothead stirs up strife, stirs up a fight, because he's not getting his way. But he who is slow to anger in other words, he who is patient calms a dispute, quiets contention. And pastors learn that that when somebody in the congregation disagrees with the pastor, you don't attack the person by telling them that they don't have any sense. No you quietly discuss with them on the basis of scripture why what they believe is not correct and how the scripture shows the correction of God's will. And you do that because you are slow to anger. You are patient with a person and that calms a dispute. Verse 19, the way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Now, what is a sluggard? A sluggard is a lazy person who doesn't want to follow the will of God, and his way is like a hedge of thorns. Now, that cannot be understood unless you have some knowledge of the day of Jesus. Because the way that animals would be kept within an enclosure is that they would plant thorns in a square situation, and the animals wouldn't get by the thorns, and they would stay in the enclosure. Uh, Today, we have farmers who put up fences, As I'm driving through Illinois, we often go by fields where there are cows and I'm always surprised to see that sometimes it doesn't seem like much of a fence, but there may be a rope or something that goes from fence post to fence post and the cows stay within it. Rarely do you hear of a car hitting a cow. Although you hear of a car hitting an animal like a deer more often because the deer do not have a hedge of thorns. So a lazy person, they are kept within their own hedge of thorns in contrast to the path of the upright, which is a level highway. Now, where does that come from? That comes from Mark. Mark. Chapter one, verses two to four, where John the baptizer takes hills and valleys and makes them smooth like a level highway for the way of Jesus. That's the way of the righteous. It's a level highway and the hills we need to climb And the valleys we need to get through are taken care of by Jesus. So, Proverbs chapter 15, 10 to 19, has some interesting and helpful wisdom that we as Christians are to follow. In not forsaking the way, and in not hating reproof, because that's how Jesus brings us into his kingdom. We'll continue with that Law & Gospel theme on tomorrow's Law & Gospel. God bless you.